Dear fellow travelers in this world, walking on the path of holiness, grace and peace are yours. From the way himself, Christ Jesus. Amen. God's word, as I said, for our deeper consideration, Isaiah chapter 35. I reread verses 8 through 10. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in that way. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor will any ferocious beast get up on it. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. Lord, guide us in truth. Your word is truth. Many years ago, I was on a hunting trip with my brother and my father. We flew across the Cook Inlet in Alaska in one of those bush plains that the news reports say go down so much. Harrowing experience. And we entered into an area called the Iliamna Plains. I wish I could find the pictures from that experience that I could share with you because we entered into a vast nothingness that is truly difficult to explain. It's something that I've never experienced or seen since that time. As we wandered in this land, it seemed that we were the only three humans left on the planet. And then because I was young, I naturally got separated from my brother and father and soon was all by myself with nothing around. As I stared in every direction, seeing no sign of life or help, I was dumbstruck from my predicament. Now, fortunately, my perception was a little bit off, and not too long after that, my dad found me and then my brother and showed us the way back to camp. Then it was a completely different experience following my dad on the way. I wasn't scared anymore. I knew he knew the way and that he would lead me right. I knew that with him I was safe. And I could delight in being found and brought back. It was an experience that was very foundational to me, something I carry with me to this very day, and now I always make sure that I know how to get safe again. I make sure I know the way. Isaiah wrote his prophecy 
to lend to his people and future generations the knowledge that they would need in order to recognize the way. And once people recognized and walked this way of holiness, they would be safe. And in the delight of that safety, they could sing. But Isaiah's book doesn't make nice the whole time. In fact, it's very important that we see the setting for our chapter 35 by looking at chapter 34. It's a section that we don't really hold near and dear to us when we are scared and concerned. In fact, Isaiah lays out in grisly detail that my pastoral sense just said, maybe I shouldn't read that in front of church to everybody. It's grisly, it's detailed, it's ferocious as it lays out God's vengeance on Edom and the enemies of God's people. As it goes through the details of how thoroughly they will be destroyed, the phrase comes up, her land will become blazing pitch. This is the scene after God fulfills his retribution to those who fought and schemed against him and his people. Quite literally, a scorched earth. No life, no greenery, nothing left. He uses this vastness of the land to to draw a picture that would really stick to the people of his time. They would have had a very good grasp on the idea of vast nothingness. They wouldn't have had to walk very far at all to see expanses that would take our modern breath away. And as they looked out over that nothing, nothingness, they would have this knowledge that amongst all of that, a fire would sweep through and destroy all of it. And they are just a small piece of that. They could feel really afraid and dumbstruck from that type of a, of a picture. And justly so, because there's no way that they could have stopped that destruction. There's no way that their presence would slow it down. Does all of this imagery scare you at all? Probably not. I don't know how many of you have looked over vast plains of nothingness for miles. In fact, maybe even the threat of scorched earth isn't all that much to you either. We're kind of insulated from that type of stuff here in Grafton. To get the image to stick, though, Maybe we need to look at the why of this destruction. Why was it coming? Well, the nations around Israel had to be destroyed because they were enemies of God. They decided to sacrifice to their own gods, the ones that they made. They decided that instead of conforming their lives to the lessons that they would have heard of the true God, they would conform their teachings to whatever they wanted. We never do that, right? We never 
set out and do our own thing instead of following what God says we should do. We never say, oh, this looks like fun, and do it after God says, uh, no. We never set up new things for us to worship, things that consume our minds and thoughts to the point where we don't even really remember who that Jesus guy was in the moment. We don't ever ignore inconvenient or troublesome doctrines because, well, I, I just don't believe that. Or, well, that's one interpretation. We never do things like that, do we? Well, maybe we do. Maybe we do sometimes throw fits when God's Word tells us to do something that we don't want to do or tells us not to do something that we really want to. Maybe there have been times we've thrown ourselves so thoroughly into media and technology and all the trappings of this world that we are consumed by them. And that's what starts to make this picture a little more scary, isn't it? Because from a certain point of view, we recognize that we belong in those fields of destruction. We are a sinful people who have routinely and regularly chosen our own ways instead of God's ways. We are spiritually enemies of God. They are not idle words that we confess at the beginning of the service. We have sinned against God in thought, word, and deed. And now this idea of burning pitch becomes kind of a powerful image. And while that image does resonate and have its purpose, God doesn't want his people to linger there. And so he begins chapter 35 with the sentence, the desert and the parched land will be glad. In a setting of such awfulness of violence and destruction, joy would come. In fact, God would come. It says in verse 4 that he would come with vengeance and divine retribution to save you. And when he comes to do that saving, that's when the imagery really starts pouring like, like water through a sieve. Eyes open, ears unstopped, lame leaping, mute shouting. All that was desolate and destroyed, full of life and beauty. And a highway will be there. A path for those who have been saved. A way of holiness. And on this high, highway, Isaiah says, no fools will go about on it. There will be no unrighteous. This way is only for believers. It is protected by God, and none of His people will fear dangers while on it. <coughs> We just heard a very similar list, though, didn't we? 
in the gospel when John sent his disciples to ask Jesus if he was the one they were waiting for, he responded with, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those with leprosy are healed, the deaf hear, etc. Jesus was making it very clear to John that he was the fulfillment of these words. He is God and he has come to save. He is the way, as he said. And those who are with him need not fear the dangers that are out there. And that is us. We are with him. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, we have that amazing and unfathomable thing called faith. Through the means of grace, the Holy Spirit worked in us through word and sacrament. He planted and brought to life that small seed that blossoms into a direct connection with Jesus. And because of that, we are not His enemies. We are on this path. We are on the way of holiness that keeps us safe. Because of Jesus, we look out and we see beauty that is beyond description. Isaiah used images of Lebanon and Carmel because that would have made sense to the readers in his, in his time. If we were to describe it today, I know I would talk about the vast mountains of Alaska. Maybe we'd talk about the fruits of the islands of Hawaii. Maybe we'd talk about the music of Tennessee. I don't know, I, I felt bad leaving the southeast out. All right, they've got redeeming qualities too. We'd find ways to describe that. And even the most beautiful thing that you can imagine right now, it pales in comparison to the beauty that Isaiah is trying to describe. The greatness that Jesus will bring about when He comes again to that earth, this earth, we can't even fully grasp it. And until that time, we keep these sweet visions in mind as we walk this path of holiness, as we walk connected to Jesus, knowing that He keeps us safe. But there's something else in this image that Isaiah brings up that we need to spend time with. Isaiah lays out this image as the people of God are on the path. There's a certain affect about them. There's a way that they are moving. An energy to these people. They will enter Zion with singing. No more sighing or sorrow. No more kvetching about this thing or that thing. For these people, joy overtakes them. And there's power in that word. It grabs hold of them. True joy. They are filled with that joy every moment. It's no wonder why they are joyful. Look at the ride that they just went on. They're surrounded by death and destruction. Truly horrifying things going on all around them, and yet they were safe on the way. It's something that should have rightly fallen upon them, but because of the grace of God, it didn't. 
They were on the way of holiness, making their way to the city of Zion, that glory. Of course, joy would overtake them. Haven't you been on the same journey? Isn't that way, the, that story, exactly the same? We have death and destruction all about us. There are pitfalls. There are reasons why God should destroy us. And yet, He doesn't. But our reactions to this, are they always joy? Overtaking us? Perhaps more what we hear is what James talks about in his letter. We can find ourselves grumbling against one another. But aren't we on the same path? Aren't we walking to Zion together? Are the words and actions that come from us like those who are saved in Israel? Or are they like the impatient of James? Do we grumble that others have done this or that or something that we don't like? Do we make snipey statements that run down people's names and reputation? Sadly, sometimes we do. Is that in keeping with what Isaiah laid out in his image? No. That type of mindset, that type of action gets all of this stuff utterly confused. See, the way of holiness is something that you get connected to and then you walk on it. It's not something that you say, oh, there's the path, everything's fine, I can do what I want. You stay with the way, which means your affect changes too. When you're on the way, you don't look at what's going on right next to you and wonder what that person's doing. No, you stay focused the way that John did. Are you the one? He asked Jesus. He's focused on that point. And when he got the answer that Jesus is God coming to save us, he rejoiced, even in his chains. So as we walk, as fellows together on this way of holiness, we are all connected to Christ. Look at Him. But also, look around. Look. Go on, look around. Really, really, look. These are people who are on this same way. Do you want to see all of these people at the end? I do. I want to have this affect that Isaiah talks about. I want to walk on this way. I want to walk through the gates of Zion singing at the top of my lungs with each and every one of you right beside me. A joy in being connected to Jesus the way. This trip to heaven that we are all on. It isn't about who's doing what. If you get wrapped up in that, that's like looking at Isaiah's imagery and people shouldering each other around on that walk, forgetting the actual goal.
That's not what we see here. We see people delighted that they are all moving in the same direction, working for the same goal, serving the same Savior. So when John's disciples returned with that answer from Jesus, I'm confident that John's response was one of great joy. This was fulfillment. God was with them to bring about this salvation so long promised, and he was able to look ahead with longing and joy at the end of sorrow. And so we too get to look with longing and joy at the end of sorrow. We know that Jesus did do what He set out to do. He conquered death by rising from the grave on Easter morning. He made us brothers and sisters, heirs of that heavenly glory. Those who are connected with Him walk on this way of holiness. So let's treat each other that way. Recognize that you are walking together on this same path to glory. We all have been redeemed by God's loving hand. He holds us now in His love for Jesus' sake. Images are very powerful. That's why Isaiah wrote the way that he did. And so this morning I want to leave you with one image. Jesus is the way. He wraps us in His arms. This is the way. The way of holiness. He keeps us safe and He keeps us singing. Amen.